I hope to see that people are able to take our mental health just as serious as our physical health. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If our NGBs and the USOC care so much about our physical well-being, then our mental well-being should be a part of that as well. Because if our mental well-being isn't there, then our physical well-being won't be anywhere close to our potential. So I watched your documentary actually just a a couple of hours ago, and one of the things that came to mind that I jotted down, and maybe you can help people understand this, that some people may watch this and not understand how somebody who's achieved so much can feel such profound unhappiness because in our society, we tend to equate success with happiness, Mm-hmm. Um, so can you maybe explain that a little bit? I mean, I think, I think the hardest thing for me there is, is when I have a friend of mine say something like that to me, like, like my, my response is I, I'm a human, right? Like I, I'm allowed to, I have these feelings just like other people do. And, and I think that's the biggest thing. I guess people seem surprised when I say that. Um, and I think for me, most of my life, I felt like I was not a human being. So until I was able to look at myself in the mirror and see that I was a person and not just a swimmer, then I started realizing all of these things that I was going through and living with and struggling from. Do you think that it's safe to say that when you devote your entire life to one pursuit, that you really don't get to know yourself or you really don't develop that emotional intelligence that's needed to know how to cope with maybe disappointment or problems or things like that that come up? Um, I think it's difficult to start, you know, a journey at such a young age when you miss so much of your like developmental stages. Right. You know, like I, like I was 15 and thrown into, you know, competing with 30 year old men and expecting to be not a 15-year-old kid, but uh, <laughs> a grown-up that understands what emotions are. And, you know, at some point, I just got numbed by it. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't even pay attention to it. And then before too long, you get blindsided by them all. Right, right. Because there's no time for emotion when you're, no. when, you're, when you're focused on a goal so intently like that. It makes sense. And if you do show emotions, then you're showing your competitor's weakness. Mm. Okay. Right? Like that's that like for me, that's how it was growing, like like throughout my career. Like I couldn't show that. Um, yeah. until like the last two years of my career where I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I, I really don't care what people think about me and if they want to say crap about me and that's fine, that's them. But that's when I opened up and, and decided to talk about the struggles that I was going through. Okay. I want to back up a little bit and, and kind of work our way through it. So can you tell me from your memory, what was your highest moment? What was like the absolute zenith of your life when you just felt just high as can be about everything in your life? Do you remember a specific moment? I mean, in my career, it had to have been 2008. After okay. winning eight, it had to have been. Okay. After winning eight gold medals. Yeah. Okay. I mean, just having one one singular goal of trying to do something no one else has ever done before. I mean, that was that was the biggest point right there. 
by the way, you're in my refrigerator right now. Uh, <laughs> you're on a milk carton. <laughs> I love it. But for a good reason, not because you are yes. you're, you're lost. <laughs> um, can you tell me what was the lowest moment where you felt that I'm really in deep trouble? Is was there a specific moment where you felt everything kind of crashing around you? Can you remember? 2014, second DUI, not wanting to be alive. Okay. Not wanting to be alive because? Um, I mean, just the feeling of uh, letting so many people down. Okay. And that was just, I mean, I think for me it was, at that point, I think leading up to that point, I was calling for help and I didn't really know how to call for help probably. And, and I would say that was just the, the, the bottom of my bottom. Um, where I just basically was on a freight elevator down. Who who rallied around you at that moment? I mean, like I think for leading up to that moment, I didn't have a single person because I was basically pushing everybody away. And at that point, it was the people who cared about me the most, and that was uh, a handful of friends and family. Okay, like looking back now, because um, I remember reading about it in the news, and the thing about when you read things in the news is that it doesn't make sense. And the reason it doesn't make sense is because I think the public people who are reading about someone in the public eye forgets that the person is human. Um, but is that why you ended up self-medicating? I mean, probably it's probably part of the reason, right? Just trying to escape and, and numb myself. I would assume I'd <laughs> probably just to get away from everybody. I mean, I think some of the things that I did and, and can't really name any of them off hands, but I feel like a lot of the, like my cries for help were looked past mm -hmm. and I probably just wasn't aware of how to ask for help and, or didn't want to be rejected if somebody couldn't help me. Um, and that's probably like, like after finding out that a lot of my struggles were based throughout my childhood and, you know, my parents split at a very young age and not really growing up with my dad, you know, it was a struggle. So, uh, that was a, you know, once we kind of tackled that part and, you know, I, I still speak with him from time to time. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a, a non-existent relationship for so long. So, but it's kind of on my terms. So that was a challenging part to get over, but yeah, okay. like, I, I think once I got through that, I think it, it just kind of got easier. Do you think that the media understands the gravity of their responsibility when they're covering people who are in the public eye on how it can potentially impact their mental health? Uh, well, I don't think anybody, I think that's something that I think is difficult for everybody to see, right? Because we never really understand what people are personally going through. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say it's a, it's a general statement that, that could go across the board. Okay. In what way has your wife and have your children been part of your healing process? My wife has been the biggest and most influential person. I mean, for me, just being able to go through some of the struggles that I've gone through with, uh, I guess, being in, in this quarantine. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, so many unknowns for everybody. And, you know, I've, I've had more difficult times than I really ever had in the past. And my wife and I have probably not pressed each other or pressed each other's buttons, but not on purpose. Um, and, and, you know, I think for that, we've been forced to grow and, and learn together. Uh, and I think that's been something that I am forever grateful. I was actually afraid as hell going through the process for some of the 
for some of our conversations. I mean, I, I would say probably just becoming vulnerable, but that's, yeah. you know, I think part of just growing up and, and learning. And I think that's something that, you know, I can look back on now and be proud of. And I think that's something that I've enjoyed the experience with her. What is your relationship with fame today? In what way? How do you, how do you relate to it? How do you process it today as opposed to 10 or so years, like a decade ago? I would say like part of my career, most of my career, yeah, I'd say majority of my career, I would say, uh, I didn't really even think of it because I was just focused on swimming and everything else just came along with it. Now I would say, I mean, I, I think it's pretty safe to say my wife and I live our lives how we want. So, and we don't really let anything affect that. Okay. Um, so I think we're pretty, we're pretty laid back. We're pretty relaxed people. We don't, we don't go out a lot. Um, we're home bodies in general. So the quarantine has almost helped us. Okay. <laughs> we benefited even more from it. So it's a, uh, it's an introvert's paradise, right? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> what's been your scariest thought or your biggest fear during quarantine and what's been your greatest hope or the, or the best thing that's come out of this whole strange, crazy few, last few months? Scariest. I don't even know. I mean, like that's the thing. Like I don't know how to. I don't know how to put it in words. Okay. Um, I mean, like my scariest days are dark. Feels like can't do anything right. I feel like basically the whole world's out to get me. Yeah, I mean, it's um, like those days. It's almost better for me to just just almost fall asleep and, and wake up tomorrow. Um, like that's how I feel. I hear you. Um, yeah. Um. And and when I have days like that, it's. I know like, for me, I know I need to get in the swimming pool. I need, I know I need to get into the gym like even more just because that's kind of my calming place. Like, like swimming is therapeutic for me. Working out is something I do every day just because it's all I know. And it's the only thing I've done for 20 years. Yeah. So, um, just being regimented, um, it helps me be my best me. So, or honestly, just taking quiet time, taking me time. Okay. Um, I think that's one thing my my wife and I are both really good at and if we need it and aren't taking it then the other one is very pushy to make sure that we take it so um I think that's one thing that that we make sure that we both are are taking our time because if our glasses aren't full then we can't help the other three that are in the house the 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 little ones yeah and how do you define greatness? Because the thing is, is that, you know, people would define you as great, right? They would define Kobe Bryant as great. They would define, you know, Barack Obama as great, whatever people that people kind of put in that category. But it sounds to me like when I watch the film, it sounds like the price of being great, meaning that if you want to get to the top of that mountain, that the price, it takes quite a toll on you spiritually and emotionally. So can you still define that as great? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I think I look at that now and, you know, would I change it? Probably not, to be honest. You know, just because it's allowed me to be who I am today. You know, and I think, yeah, if it has to take me going through some of those scariest moments to look at myself in the mirror today and love who I see, then okay. But like, I, I mean, I think greatness is a bunch of small things done well. That's really all it is. You know, mm -hmm. I think if you look at that film or you look at any of the greats in history and in sports and whatever, um, 
we basically all do it the same way. Yeah. You know, like there's no real rocket science behind it, right? It's just it's hard work, it's dedication, it's not giving up, it's pushing through. Um, I think there are healthier ways and smarter ways to do it. And I think people who see this film or people who are going through some of these things now, hopefully can see that there is a healthier way to do it than what we've done in the past. Okay. When I interviewed Mike Tyson a long time ago, he said to me that you can't be happy and be great at the same time. He said, at the height of my career, I sacrificed happiness to be great. Do you think that, do you think that that's but I the think truth? it's like, you're, you're, you're just trying to chase something though. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, I think right. like a lot of people, I can say for myself, like, like when I retired in 2012, mm-hmm. I think that was basically just, I need a break, leave me alone, stop. Because obviously deep down inside, I knew I still wanted to come back because it, I was frustrated with how I finished and I wanted to finish on my terms. So, you know, I think like, that's why I came back. And yes, like uh, when I was swimming or when I retired in 2016, uh, I felt like I did everything that I could and wanted to do in the sport. And for me, I was happy. And, you know, as you heard before, like, yeah, it it took me going through some of the things that I went through, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe to realize that or to understand more, but I still wouldn't change anything. Okay. Um, because it's made me who I am today. And, and, you know, for the longest time, I, I saw myself as, as strictly a swimmer and just this, this kid that went up and down staring at a black line and, and not a human being. Um, and I didn't like who I saw in the mirror. But um, I think after going through the struggles that I went through and, and you know, after 2014, you know, being in that scary place, mm-hmm. um, I, I like who I am now. And, you know, if I don't like something, I know I have you know, an awesome, better half that's going to help me, help me grow and help me learn to be that person if I want, you know? So I think for me, I, I like where I am, you know, I'm, I'm very happy and I don't want to say content because I don't know right. if that's, that's an appropriate word, but, um, I love who I am today and I love where I'm at. So, and I, and I don't think I'd be able to have this opportunity had I not gone through and learned what I've been able to learn. Firstly, I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. Athletic Greens has a product called AG1 that I have been using literally every morning. When I start my morning with AG1 drink first thing before my coffee or my morning smoothie, it's a whole different ballgame. So I wake up in the morning. As soon as I get down to the kitchen, I put in a scoop of AG1 into my water. I stir it up. I drink it down. It's a few seconds out of my morning and I just feel so much more energetic than I did before. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens all in one drink. I feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot, and it's a good feeling to know that you're starting your day by being kind to yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and I respect their company values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They also stay on the cutting edge of nutritional research, which is super important to me. AG1 is the single greatest thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance.
Firstly, I want to thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this podcast. Athletic Greens has a product called AG1 that I have been using literally every morning. When I start my morning with AG1 drink first thing before my coffee or my morning smoothie, it's a whole different ballgame. So I wake up in the morning. As soon as I get down to the kitchen, I put in a scoop of AG1 into my water. I stir it up. I drink it down. It's a few seconds out of my morning, and I just feel so much more energetic than I did before. I get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens all in one drink. I feel like I'm starting my day on the right foot, and it's a good feeling to know that you're starting your day by being kind to yourself. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes, and I respect their company values. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company. They also stay on the cutting edge of nutritional research, which is super important to me. AG1 is the single greatest thing you can do for your body in under 60 seconds. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews. Again, it's athleticgreens.com forward slash Allison Interviews to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Do you think that at one point you kind of bought into the notion that you were superhuman or a superhero of sorts at all? I mean, uh, no, because I, I just wanted it that bad. Okay. Now I think, you know, going into 2008, like that, that was just me. When I become super focused on one thing, it's, it's that and that only. So it's, I mean, I'm a competitor. I'm the biggest competitor you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, you know, blood in the water. That was, right, right. That was me. So, um, you know, at that point, you know, when I wanted something bad enough, yeah, I was going to outwork every single human being, no matter, no matter what it took. Okay. And I mean, it sounds like you're doing great. So like, how would you say your mental health is today? Um, well, today, over the last couple of months, or I'd, I'd say- Well, all, all of us are yeah. uh, <laughs> having some I, issues well, the last couple of months. But, no, but I'll say like, you know, I, I did a piece um, with ESPN three months ago and it was a disaster. So, you know, like I've, I've definitely ridden the roller coaster you know, of emotions, of mental, of everything, mm-hmm. um, over the last probably six months, as I'm sure we all have. Um, but honestly, today, like I, I honestly don't think I could be in a, a happier place. You know, I, I, I mean, I probably have, I would say, like one or two bad days a month that are kind of probably like a probably six, seven, um, where before it would be, I would have ten days where they would be nines. You know, so I think. Honestly, the quarantine has taught me more, um, mm. and I think it's forced me to learn more and to grow. You know, because I feel like I've been put in situations where I would never have in any other situation. So, um, yeah, I just feel like I've almost like been given a challenge during this quarantine to grow. Right? Like I almost feel like that's what it was. Yeah, uh, and I feel like you know whether it's the the work that my wife and I have done or personally I've done for whatever reason, I've been able to just almost like break through a barrier. So it's, it's almost been good for me to have this time to, 
almost not to sit in my own shit, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, not to like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, not yeah, to, yeah, like, you, but like you, force yourself to grow and to learn. I don't, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, it, it just, I, I feel like this was just an opportunity for me. And, and I, I don't know, I feel like I, most of the time when I see or have like a tough time, like I, I will try and just ride it out to see where it goes because it's like, I feel like it's supposed to happen at that time. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like everything in life happens for a reason. And, and I feel like, you know, I was meant to have these struggles or these hard times and be forced to be um, emotionally challenged to, to try to just to, I don't know. No, I, I understand it's, what you mean. It's, 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 it's yeah, no, it's it's scary to be still, and we've all had to be still over these last few months. And you have to be kind of with your thoughts, with your feelings. And if if you're not accustomed to that, then sometimes it can be challenging. So I get it. It's been fun though. Like I, I'll say, like yeah, obviously scary in the beginning, but you know, looking back, you know, I mean, like if we can all take a step and like go back to the like to the beginning of the quarantine i bet we can all see how much we've learned how much we've grown through this process absolutely um, and and not even realize it right and and that's and that's something i think that's so cool about life and and it's kind of crazy like i i've worked in hundreds of a second my whole entire life and now i'm trying to almost slow life down so it's kind of bizarre when you get to see or feel moments like that and I felt like I've had a couple of those during quarantine. Yeah, that's interesting. You're not used to that. That's really no, interesting. not at all. <laughs> um, I want to ask you, are you completely sober today? Like, have you sworn off alcohol? And We, that- we don't drink really in this household at all. Okay. Um, there's, there's nothing that's out. Just, I mean, for me, like, I, I remember pyramids as a kid. Um, so there's some, some bad childhood memories of my father or seeing other things. And, and I'm somebody who's very conscious of not having my boys go through and live some of the same things that I lived and had to see Okay. Um, because it's, it's hard to go through emotionally and it's hard to still live with the, you know, some, some of those feelings, you know, 20 years down the road, like there are still things that I go through where I struggle when I see my boys, whether it's, um, Okay, so like 20 questions, 1,000 questions, right? Like I'm sure nobody likes to be asked 50 questions they don't know the answer to. Right. And I feel like that's how I was as a kid. And potentially my dad didn't or couldn't, didn't know how to handle that situation. Because it's like, I feel like in t- at times I get very irritable in a, in, in a situation like that. So for me, I'll then go back to my childhood self and be like, this is probably why I'm feeling this, right? Because right. it's something that, scarred me from my childhood or hurts my childhood um and is you know kind of poking at something so for me in those moments like i've had to almost take a deep breath and take a lion breath which is what we teach boomer and we teach beckett you know at times when you feel you know an overwhelming of emotions and and sometimes you know you just have to take a second to realize what they are so for me i felt like i've had a few of those um like growing experiences and and I've had to sit with some of those emotions that, that came up from my childhood. Okay. And are you nervous at all about how um, the body that's in charge of the Olympics, is it it's the U.S. Olympics Committee or the International Olympics Committee? IOC. Yeah. The yeah. IOC um, do you worry at all about how they're going to feel about this documentary when it comes out or the fact that um, – 
it's shown the way athletes are treated as, as kind of a commodity uh, and somewhat of a negative light and, and some of the mental health fallout that's resulted from that. Um, are you worried about how it's perceived at all? I mean, I, this is this is a project that I was super pumped about and very excited about. And honestly, they're, after coming off of the 16 games, being able to see that there are so many other athletes that are going through something just like I went through, mm-hmm. um, something has to be done about it. And I decided that, you know, what other athletes want to help make change? And I was very fortunate to have, you know, 20 athletes jump on board. And since then, we've had even more who have opened up. So... Um, this is something that's real. It's something that's raw. And to me, it's something that's important. And we're going to have to change this if we want to see everything continue to grow. What kind of change do you hope to see as a result of people becoming aware of this? What what kind of change do you hope for? I mean, well, I hope to see that people are able to take our mental health just as serious as our physical health. Mm. I mean, this is something you know what I mean. Like, yeah, if, that's if, good. if the people, if, if our NGBs and the USOC care so much about our physical well-being, then our mental well-being should be a part of that as well. Because if our mental well-being isn't there, then our physical well-being won't be anywhere close to our potential. So you know, like I feel like they both go hand in hand. So um, you know, being able to, I mean, just have people understand, and but also just to get the support, the resources, and the support because it's not there. It's never been there. Okay. Um, so I guess, yeah, if we're not performing, then we don't get help. Okay. So, so, so you start, you start to feel like a prize racehorse, you know, is that uh, kind of product, yeah, a product, product, a commodity? Yeah. All, all that, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I guess it's like, and you see in the film, I mean, there are thousands of kids that are waiting to take our shoes. And, and mm-hmm. um, as soon as we're done, the door is slammed on us and we're forgotten about. Right. But you've been like able me, you've been like able I, to leverage I, a, a pretty a pretty good career there. I mean, yes, I've been very fortunate. Okay. Um, honestly, like I'm, I struggle, yes, mentally, but my performances have have allowed me to continue to still do things where other people are still, you know, potentially not getting a job because they've foregone college, they've foregone, you know, basically their whole life to put into this. Right. Um, and then there's, you know what I mean? Yes, so, I do. But, but like also like if kids aren't performing well, then they don't get stipend or they don't get support from their governing body or the USOC. So then what do they do? They have to go out and get a nine to five job. And then on top of that, still be able to, still be able to train to try to perform. Right. So, you know, so like there are both sides of everything and it's, it's, yeah, there's, a lot has to be changed, and and it's easy as saying just care about our mental well-being as you do about as our physical well-being. Okay, that's all. You know, I think it's pretty simple. What do you tell your boys, your three boys, about your childhood? Because I'm sure they have a much more conventional childhood than you did. So when they say, you know, yeah. Dad, you were like this great swimmer, or, you know, what was your what were what were you doing at my age, and and how do you what do you tell your kids about your childhood? I think Boomer already understands a little bit because grandpa is um, Bob, my coach, and he comes over almost every day and he's, he uh, tells him that I used to swim for him. So Boomer, Boomer always asks, uh, he says, like, who's, who's grandpa? And he's like, oh, daddy used to swim for him all the time. So he understands that and he knows that. So he's, he's aware of a little bit. I mean, I'll, 
I think for me, I'm excited to share my journey. And I think, you know, for, for my boys, I, I will do my, my damnedest to make sure that I give them every tool or every little tidbit that I've learned throughout this process, you know, and, and hopefully they're 10 times more prepared than I am. And that's, I mean, that's my job as a dad, but uh, it's kind of scary, you know, just because of I mean, who knows what the world's going to be like then. Right. Um, and who knows what the sports world is going to be like. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a difficult thing, but I'm excited to share the journey with them. And yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid by any means. Would you let your kids um, be professional athletes or take on the kind of journey that you took on? Or would you, would that be if something they wanted, yeah. you would? But I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I, I guess people always ask if, if my kids will be swimmers. And I say, well, I hope, like, I, I don't want them to be, but mm-hmm. if they want to be, then fine. Because I don't think it's fair for them to have to live in my footsteps. Right. Um, you know, look, if they're going to be a hundred times better than me, then hell yeah. Like I would love to see it. Right. I would love to be there and be a part of it. And as long as they love it, but I don't want to force them into something that they don't want. You know, like okay. that was something that, that I, I had the opportunity to do as a kid. I found swimming as a kid and loved it. So yeah, I, you know, did have some Rocky points, but I absolutely enjoyed every moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'll let them follow their passion. It just has to be their passion. I don't want them to, to not love what they do. So what do you think that you came into this life as Michael Phelps to learn? And what do you think you came here to teach? I think I've partially found some of it, but I don't think I found all of it. I think the chapter of my life now that I'm doing is way bigger than anything that I've ever done in the pool. Um, so I will say, I think, yeah, I, I think the mental health side of things could potentially be well bigger than my, like my swimming ever was. Okay. Um, I don't think that's the whole picture, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And I feel like that's, isn't that life's purpose? Like we're, we're supposed to find what it is, but we're never supposed to really find what it is. It's mm, supposed to come I like that. Right? Because <laughs> yeah, I feel like, but, but you know, like I feel like if we're if we spend time obsessing over something, like that's the fine line between like obsessing and being passionate. If you do it, if you over obsess over it too much, then it almost becomes irrelevant and obsolete. So right. it's almost supposed to naturally just occur over time. So that's why I feel like that's yeah. As soon as you asked that question, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my life's purpose is because I feel like I'm still trying to find it, and and yeah. when I find it, I might not fully know, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's, it's not something that I can just go out and search for. I feel right. like it's something that's going to be presented whenever it's ready to be presented. I get that. When young people are reading your biography someday, what do you hope the takeaway is? What do you want them to take away from reading about your life story? Oh my gosh. That's a, wow. You're really trying to get me some good ones. <laughs> um, Okay, I, I I don't know. Honestly, I feel again. I it's going to be a similar answer to what I just said, and that's because I don't understand what I've done or gone through throughout most of my life. So, I, like I, I'm still trying to process what happened over the last 15 years. For me, every day was one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. I could never stick, like take a step back and and just relax and take a deep breath. So I, over the last four years, I've understood a lot more of what my life has been. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, again, it's just going to be time and how much time, I don't know. I think that 
latter half or the second part of my life or this next chapters of my life will be way bigger than you know again what i've done in the pool and um it's kind of weird to imagine but i feel like it's possible because mm-hmm. thinking back to a kid i never thought that i would win 28 medals right you know what i mean so yeah. it's just like that's like that's the one thing for me like i throughout my career i was always visualizing i was always prepared of what was going to happen but i was never future tripping so to say right yeah i um, get that i was just kind of just living in like trying to live in the moment, moment as much as possible and i think that's something that i'm trying to do outside of the water i feel like i've probably taken more strokes in the water than i have steps on land so um you know just trying to process life in a different way over the last quad has been a challenge within itself okay so then uh, let so then let's wrap it up with this what's the next big thing on your bucket list it's got to be uh, something I mean, I have a book I'm getting ready to come out with, so. Oh, okay. Something. Um, I have a book. It's, I mean, we're final stages, but yeah, I have a book that, fingers crossed, hopefully coming out before the games. I don't know exactly when, but yeah, that's like final touching. I'm reading through some of the, the chapters right now. So, you know, that's something to look forward to. It's And it's more just like a really, like a deeper dive into some of the things that, I probably was very anti to go into throughout my career. Okay. Um, so I would say it's like if you said, if you read um, Agassiz's book. I didn't. Um, God, what is it called? Uh, I forgot what it's called. But I feel like it's kind of like that. Like it's it's just kind of like a raw dive, uh, like a like raw emotions, really just explaining, I guess, more really of who I am and and kind of the journey that I've been on, but also what's next and and. You know, a lot of my passion really is with kids, so um, continuing to work with kids, but also the mental health mm-hmm. side of things with kids. Okay. Um, that's something that, that is extremely fascinating to me. Okay. Something that I, I mean, obviously get to see every day. I have a mini-me at uh, <laughs> on, on my hands. Like, I mean, he's, Bloomer is a spitting image of me in every single which way. Um, it's interesting at times. It's frustrating at times, but he, he is so good at pressing my buttons. It is unbelievable. And, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a test every day. It's the most enjoyable test that I've ever had. You know, all of my kids are awesome, but he is so much me, and it's I'm excited but so afraid, too. <laughs> to watch him grow and uh, see, yeah, see what you've created. Yes. <laughs> I get it. That's awesome. I love that. All right. Well, I want to thank you for being so generous with your time and and for a great interview. Oh, for sure. Look forward to the piece. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you.